Welcome to My Way, a podcast that shares the stories of people who are doing life their way. Listen along as we explore what works, what doesn't, and the experience that happens no matter which path we choose. I'm your host, Sunny Collins. Thanks for listening. Sunny here. Welcome to episode 10 of My Way. This is the final part of my conversation with fellow Graytonian and wildlife vet, Dr. Michael Koch. So if you haven't listened to episodes eight and nine, go check them out first. You won't want to miss any of it. Thanks for listening and enjoy. There's this rhino cow. It's got this big, what looks like a cut on the neck. It's got this big sore on the head. And then I suddenly look, and there next to her is this little cough. No bigger than a little little warthog. And I, I yelled at uh, the radio to, to, to Glenn Tatham. I said, Glenn, this thing's got a baby. Can't you see it? They said, no, we haven't. So I darted the mother. They grabbed this little calf, which you can do. I landed and I gave it some drugs. So now I'll be sitting there and I've got mom. And mom had obviously had a snare. That's why she had this cut. And it almost cut her head off. Oh, my gosh. Almost cut her head off. But she had produced this calf. She was the only the second rhino left. The bull was still out in the bush. So now I'm deciding, okay, so, that, so that's the day. It's early morning, it started. So I said, guys, I'm not putting this little thing with the mother. Mother goes in a crate, goes by road. We load her now, she goes. You'll get there at midnight tonight. I said, we're taking this little guy in the helicopter. We're flying this little rhino to Matusadon. So <laughs> the Bonnie O'Hara was a pilot, and I'm there, so, so I, I give the little thing some extra drugs. We stick it in the back seat of this jet ranger, all the doors off. Um, I put the seatbelts on her, and then I stand, and there's a central pillar, you know, in the jet ranger. So I kind of hold on to that, and we take off. And we fly along the Zambezi River at river level, under the Chirindu Bridge, through the gorge to the dam wall. We pop up over the dam wall, and then Bonnie has to report to traffic control because there's a, an airport. And Bonnie says, what do I say? I said, Bonnie, you can't say that there's two people on board in a rhino. She said, we're going to, you know, they're going to send up one of those MiGs that's parked there and they're going to try and shoot us down. So I said, just say that there's, you know, there's two and a half aboard. So, so he said that. And then we flew along the Lake Reba and we flew into to, 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 um, uh, to Shinga and offloaded this this little youngster who we named Chawori. And mom arrived uh, that, that, that evening and we put them together and just, there was just the squealing and stuff like that. Oh. Unfortunately, she was a bad-tempered lady and I think, just the stress of everything, she, she eventually rejected Jewelry. Oh. But Jewelry was hand-raised and eventually was released. And I think Jewelry's, I don't even know if Jewelry's still alive. Yeah. But she did produce a couple of cars. It caused mayhem because she kind of liked people. She would walk up to cars and stick her head inside the window and, and ask for a scratch, you know. Wow. <laughs> so so that, that, if, if that if that was a day, I mean, just the particularly working with Black Rhino and these kind of primeval areas you know i mean yeah. there's one rhino we knocked down mark atkinson vet who i was working with we've been looking for these fossilized forests for ages and then i said mark have you seen the trees around you he said yeah they look pretty strange they're like rocks and they and we knocked the rhino down in one of these fossilized forests because i mean that's Zambezi valley i mean if you go back historically apparent dinosaur it was dinosaur country so so that that that, that was a story i tell because it was pretty meaningful you know in terms mm-hmm. of the fact that there were the last rhino left in Zambezi Valley. Yeah. So, so, and the worst one? Oh, I don't know. You know so probably I, many. Well, there are. You know, when, when I, I, you know, I guess, I guess if you, you know, when you're working with rhinos and stuff like that, and elephants with 
Rhinos have been killed, elephants have been killed, but people have been killed. And people have been deliberately killed, because that's the law. I mean, in Zimbabwe, they had a shoot-to-kill policy. You know, when you go and you, you're working in an area, then you hear that they've just shot a bunch of guys. So, so we fly there just to check things out, and you find these guys who are dead, who are just dressed in the most ragtag kit, you know. That's not the problem. You see, the problem with, with poaching is these guys are the foot soldiers. They're poor. And they'll do anything. And I was talking to some guys here, you know, who are, you know and, and, you know, those, the, the people we need to get are the people that are high up. You know, and, and we don't do enough of that. So when you see these poor guys who've hiked from Zambia and they, they're dead, but they've got nothing. Sometimes they're barefoot. You know, they have a little bag with some sudza, some, you know, maize meal and stuff like that. And then, you know, when, you, when you, you're working like I have up in Nyasa and you're flying on a helicopter and you find a recent killing ground where there's 12 elephants dead and they were killed that morning and you land, poachers are gone. In fact, one we did with one, there was a couple of elephants that filled that ivory on, so the poachers had heard us coming and they got it. You know, they can, they, 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 they're clever. I mean, they go into hiding and stuff. Then you land and you, you know, these elephants have been shot, frontal shots, they've gone down on their knees so these are highly professional individuals. And you just stand there and you go, what can you do? And, and, I, and I'll be quite frank, I'm tired of seeing dead elephants. Yeah. I'm tired of seeing dead elephants. And, um, yeah. It de- I mean, it does seem, it seems like it all goes back to inequality, right? With humans. Yeah, yeah, yeah no, that's right. You see, but it's, 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 it's interesting you said because... You know, I have people come up and say, I want to be a veterinarian. I say, well, how, how, how are you with animals? I'm great. I said, well, that's not good enough. I said, how are you with people? Not very good. I said, well, you're not going to make it. There. So all these issues and problems that we, we are challenged with, the kind of spark, you know, the match that you like is people-related things. Yeah. Because people do bad things, whether it's government officials or the poacher coming across the border to kill elephants. So people are doing it, but in many instances, what choice do some of these people have? Because we talk right. about inequality, we talk about poverty. And empathy, just understanding where somebody's coming from. It's very yeah. easy to judge, yeah. you know, very and, easy. And, and, and unless, unless you, and it takes people like the Beggs, you know, what they're trying to do at Mariri, and I'm sure Colleen spoke about it, just trying to work with the communities to create a common understanding of what the issues are and get them to be enthusiastic about the environment they live in and protecting it. But at the same time, uplifting their situation, their livelihoods. And if we don't do that, I mean, it's the same thing in South Africa. Now we talk about Grayton, you know, and, and being this, it's an unequal village. I mean, well, it's, you know, it's a white village, mm-hmm. essentially. Um, you know, unless we deal with that inequality in South Africa, which is by the Gini coefficient or whatever, we are the most unequal country in the world. Brazil apparently used to be. Right. You know, what do you expect people in Amanus? What are they going to do? You know, and, and I don't know, what is it? Is it capitalism that we create the situation or do we need something that's like more of a social democracy or, you know, where we, we take care of people? And, you know, and I, I look at the states and I look at the way that Trump's trying to dismantle Obamacare. You know, come on. Right. Give me a break. You know, you want to be seen as this proud nation. Well, take care of your people and provide universal, universal health care, universal education. And you can still get your American dream by working very hard right. in your job. But 
don't have that sort of attitude that no, if you can't make it and work hard enough to get health insurance, you don't deserve it. Yeah, it's not about building something new; it's about undoing exactly. something of your predecessor. Yeah. You know, it's, yeah. it's no, it's nonsense. So it's totally so yeah. So and I, and I think it's a big problem in the world in general. You know, you just look at the migration issue in Europe and you know the wars and 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 you know we're you know and I, I mean I can be critical of Great but we're damn lucky. You know, the place we have, the peace we have. Um, we can walk up the road here, okay, and buy, buy a chicken, you know, put it on the braai or, or whatever, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm just grateful that I can walk around by myself yeah. and not and feel it, like I need to have right. eyes and, in the back and, and of my and head. A of, and a lot of people, you know, I mean, within South Africa or even elsewhere, I mean, it's not just South Africa. I mean, it, yeah, you know, uh, and I think that's what attracts people here particularly because it's, it, is, it is still relatively crime-free. Right. And whatever crime we have here is is kind of low key petty. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, make, make no doubt, and I and I have no doubt that if if we are to succeed on a number of different fronts in terms of health issues, preserving nature, cleaning up all the plastic in the oceans, I mean, unless we we are operating from a strongly what do we call human centric approach, because who's dumping those bottles, plastic bottles, in the water? They don't just fall out. Well, maybe sometimes they do, but but people are throwing them out. Mm-hmm. You watch people drive and drive, part, drive behind people, and someone throws out a bottle. I mean, I have confronted them here in the village, you know, and had a huge argument. Mm-hmm. But it's just like a throw out the window, you know, and it, it it's people who are doing it um, ultimately. So so that's where we have to start. What is something about yourself that would surprise people? I don't know. Well, I think I think um, I think people are. I'm often surprised at how strongly I feel about things, but I think they also may be surprised that I know enough to back up mm-hmm. what I believe in. You know, and I, I, I will challenge anything. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, you know, I, I get myself into trouble because I, I, I don't, I don't just sit back and. So yeah, I mean, I. It's probably good that you're not on Facebook. <laughs> no, 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 absolutely. absolutely. You would no, get no. yourself into even no, more no, trouble. No, no, yeah, exactly right. That's why I actually stay out of social media, you know, and I... I think uh, social media is such a runaway train in most people's lives and they feel like they have no control over it and they just... I mean, like, one day I woke up and I was like, wait, I don't have to do any of this, but I want to. It's not even real. Like, none of it's real. You make it real in your life by continuing to engage with it every day, but I've removed it from my phone for certain periods of time. (laughs) I, I didn't die. Everything was fine. This episode of My Way has been brought to you by Veterinary Medicine. Whenever you're feeling squirrely, dogged, or just plain old mephitine, think of Veterinary Medicine. This ancient practice of healing animals harkens back to around 3000 BC in Mesopotamia. The very first veterinary hospitals were constructed in India, and the first classes were held in Italy. Due to their economic significance, cows and horses were the first subjects of veterinary medicine. But since then, the scope of veterinary medicine has expanded significantly, ranging from the removal of brain tumors and goldfish to the crafting and fitting of prosthetic legs and kangaroos. While millions have had childhood dreams of becoming a vet, only a select few realize this dream. This 250-year-old and notably female-dominated profession employs at least a half a million vets and even more veterinary paraprofessionals all over the world. 
traumatized tails, wounded wings, hurt horns, fractured flippers, mangled muzzles, and more. What most of us cannot even bear to imagine, these vets face and fix to the best of their ability. Veterinary Medicine, holding the keys to the animal kingdom. What do you do for fun? What do I do for fun? I go and, 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 and I walk with my dog. That's something that I've been doing for as long as I've had this dog, 14 years. And um, I, I really enjoy going out and socializing. I mean, I'm, I think, you know, people, I think people would probably be surprised that, that I'm quite an insular individual. So I, I, I like my space and I like my time, but I can be a real beast at times. Going out and having fun, and, and that's that's always my whole life. I've been like that, kind of introverted, and then I enjoy going out, and I really enjoy going out and getting. I mean, if you go to a dinner party and you're sitting around arguing about Trump fruit, I mean that I'm in my element. <laughs> it just let me, you know, and yeah, but but I mean, do I think I think the thing is that I always believe in is is you've got to be constructive. You can't go off the deep end and piss people off you know so you've got to learn how to argue in such a way that people go oh, okay you know that's, that's, yeah, I see your point you know mm. well you just get pissed off with them and tell them they're just freaking idiots you mm -hmm. know and walk out but but it's just it's the ability to debate debate issues mm -hmm. um, you know and I guess I guess you know it's also being a worldly person that I think is important and I tell the young kids and stuff I said listen just educate yourself educate yourself listen Listen more than you say things. Read, and, and don't take things just for black and white. You know, things are not always like that. You know, so you've got to think for yourself. And I think that's a problem. I think a lot of kids are, tend to follow things rather than thinking about it themselves. You know? and, it's, yeah. and it's like when I argue about religion. I mean, I, I'll be quite frank. I think religion is one of the biggest brainwashing exercises that mm -hmm. ever happened in the last whatever, and it continues. I mean, I, I went through religion. I mean, as a kid, I used to. Have to go to church and then I'd sneak out the back and steal some cookies and and uh, but you know when I turned eighteen, I mean I I was uh, I could think for myself then and you know just eighteen was and you know and I and I and I think very very deeply about religion and how it developed you know and uh, having been at this Anglican school I mean I used to go to services every Sunday and I mean a wonderful choir in this giant cathedral and me and a mate used to sometimes sneak out midnight and we used to. Sometimes had buildings, building um, scaffolding on the outside. You know, we used to climb up and we used to go into the cloisters at the top, and, and we convinced their ghosts. They were ghosts because after all, Thomas of Becket was killed and stuff. So we'd be sneaking around and we'd hear these footsteps. And, but it was all imagination. Yeah. And I mean, here was this huge cathedral. You know? And so, so you know, am I am I in awe of that? I am in awe of it just because of the nature. But then, I'm, am I in awe of religion? And, and what it's doing to the world? No, I'm not, mm -hmm. because I, I, I argue that some of the good they do is fine, fine, but it's a lot of harm. And if you read history, the amount of violence associated with religion, all of them, all of the three Abrahamic religions, the amount of violence that has been perpetuated over the last six thousand years or whatever, in order to maintain that religion, it's still happening now, and it's happening now in the Middle East. Yeah, I mean, it's it's you know and. It's always going to happen. I mean, it's... Yeah, and, and, and it has to happen because otherwise, you know, if, yeah, if countries don't 
maintain things, you know, through force or whatever, then they might disappear. Well, I mean, you look at the great civilizations, you know, whether it's the Persian and the Romans. I mean, you look at the Greeks. I mean, they all collapsed mm. at some point. You yeah. know, and 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 uh, and religion was was something that kept things together. But then you'd have you know a breakdown in in that, and then this the civilization would collapse. Yeah. You know, and then someone else would come in, and that's what happened with, with Islam. Came in and took over this and took over that and cut this person's head off. And mm-hmm. um, I think it's just indoctrination, not just of, of religion, um, but all different kinds of ways of thinking. You get indoctrinated into a certain way of thinking, and, and you lose the ability to think for yourself mm, or to I think, think so. logically yeah. or... So I think that ability for a young person to really go inside themselves and think, am I, am I doing this because the group is doing it? Yeah. Am I doing it because I'm afraid of sticking out? Am I doing it because I'm afraid of having a conflict with somebody? I mean, yeah. I, I well, think a lot of people yeah. aren't taught to think that yeah. way. Well, I mean, you know, one of the most revealing things that happened, you know, I worked at the University of Pretoria at the, at the, at the vet faculty, on support for three years, and, you know, very often can't. And we've got a history in the vet profession in this country. It's a history of Afrikaner stuff. You know, of course, the Afrikaners are very religious. They have the Dutch Reformed Church and stuff. But I remember being a tea, and I have a Portuguese professor there who, from Maputo who's not religious. We have great arguments together with other people. But I was sitting with these girls who, who were in, in the Department of Tropical Diseases, and they're Afrikaans ladies. And we started talking about religion, which, which is quite bold. And and they when, when I said I didn't believe in God and I didn't practice, they, they looked at me and they said, "How how can you live?" So what do you mean? How can you? And they says, "How can you deal with living in South Africa, with Zuma and and these people and those people and this?" I said, "Living in South Africa has nothing to do with my religion in terms of whether I can deal with Zuma or not." But they, for them, where they go when things get bad, is the church. Yes. Because it's this kind of. You know, it's like having this blanket around you, you know, and it's, and it's it, so it's kind of unreal in, 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 a, in, a, in a real reality, you know. Right. And, and so I just, and they looked at me, and I, unfortunately I had to leave because we had to go somewhere, but I, I just wanted to stay and, and try and interrogate them some more, you know, mm-hmm. in terms of how. And they just want to go home and pray for you. Yeah, they want to go home and pray for me. <laughs> you know, so. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> but I mean, look, faith, I think, you know, I, I do. I do believe, you know, having a faith is, is, a, is a good thing, and I, and, I, and I think there are some good things. You must mustn't go to run it all down. Yeah. Um, so if you had if you had the power to solve only one problem in the world, what would it be, and why? I'd love to solve the issue of politics and how it evolves. Look, I have a real soft spot for America, but I think the American political system has so many problems for a nation to me that is is, is really and I, I have I've had the most wonderful experiences there. Mm-hmm. and I have great conversations with my colleagues but you know I mean I have friends that I choose and we, we think alike and stuff like that but I just if I if I could achieve one thing is to see legislation in America that bans guns I mean I I believe in owning guns and I mean I've had guns in my time but when I see a clear link between violence and guns and then I see the politicians and the evangelicals and all of them forgetting about a 17 school kids being massacred because it, it goes it goes out of your sight I mean you watch it disappears 
you know, if I could turn the clock somehow so that you got rid of this kind of culture mm -hmm. of violence, but it's the same with religion. I mean, mm -hmm. you know, yeah, killing comes with that, you know, mm -hmm. and, and um, you know, having lived in the States and, and just being just appalled mm -hmm. by the kind of attitudes of guns, you know, and, and, then, and then just watching from afar now how people behave. You know, and people are, you know, a guy walks into a school and he kills 70 kids. Give me a break, please. You know, and then I have, I have friends in, in Zimbabwe and Rhodesia, you know, who, who, who are quite religious and, and they're quite conservative as well, you know, and they, they keep on reminding me that, that weapons don't kill people. People, people kill, kill people. people. And I look at them and I say, excuse me, you know. The guy didn't go into the school and beat up 17 people no, he, to a bloody pulp. He, That's not what happened. Yeah. Kill people. With guns. <laughs> I mean, it just, I mean, it's just like this kind of logic. And I'm saying. I'm very tired of that. You, you, you're missing, you're missing the point. Right. You are missing the point. Mm -hmm. You know, and if I'm going to have respect for a society and call it a great society, then, then, then the, the whole gun issue in America is, is it just makes me think, guys, you just don't have it together. No, and I, I think what is so inspiring to me is seeing all of these young people so activated because yeah, of I, this presidency. Let's it's, see what, yeah, yeah, I, I just can't wait to see how it's going to evolve. Let's, let's see what happens in November because right. I, I, I've said to my American friends, I've said, listen, Trump got voted in. He got voted in because a lot of you didn't vote. What's happened is the activism, and you can see it. You know, yeah. we'll see how it pans out in November. But I mean, there is a huge amount of activism, mm -hmm. particularly from women, mm -hmm. and hopefully kids, young mm -hmm. kids who can, can vote. Sixteen-year-olds who are going to be eighteen in twenty twenty. I mean, I, you know. So I think, and, and I've said, the only way you're going to change things in America, being the democracy you are, is through the ballot box. That's how Trump got in. Yeah. That's how you're going to have to get him out, mm -hmm. and that's how you're going to have to change what's happening politically. Yeah. I mean, I, look, I, you know, I think Obama was one of the best presidents America's ever had, and I, yeah. I just like the guy fundamentally. But I mean, and you know, he's vilified because he's black, because the, the, the racism, racism is alive and well in this village, it's alive and well in South Africa. Right. It's alive and well in America. Mm -hmm. no, I agree. And, and 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 when I hear the things about, I mean, even reading the Cape Times, you know, some guy will write in, well, you know, Obama shouldn't give a Nelson Mandela lecture, you know. Well, I mean, that that, that lecture he gave, that, that talk he gave. When Mandela died, Obama came out the stadium with. It was just, I mean, it's absolutely brilliant. I mean, it's just, yeah. it's just eloquent and just right. And yeah. He wasn't perfect. You know, he, he's worked, I mean, he's a president within, which is what Trump's finding. Yeah. Um, you know, but he just had integrity and, and, and he was honest. Mm -hmm. What things are most important to you now? You know, as I've got older and, you know, I guess. You know, it's a kind of you know, what sort of legacy do you leave? And I and I, you know, there's a couple of things that are very important to me is, is as a legacy is 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 how how many people have I influenced and taught, particularly in Africa. You know, how many individuals have I built some capacity in you know, to be able to do some of the stuff that I do? Um, and you know, even working at the University of Victoria, and I've worked you know UC Davis, and just just passing knowledge on and a bit of wisdom, you know, to to people coming up, youngsters. You know, and, and I guess, you know, but it's, I guess it's a cliche, you know, just 
being a good person and making a difference in terms of what I've, you know, I've never been driven by money. Um, I kind of suffer now because I, don't, I never made a lot of money. So, you know, and uh, I think a lot of conservationists are like that, you know, where they end up with them. Yeah, so I think just making a difference for, for people in their daily lives, you know, and, and, and having having that empathy that you spoke about, you know, in terms of people who are less well off than I. Mm -hmm. And I see it, you know, when I work in Mozambique and do work in the villages there and see, see you know, it always amazes me that these folks are, are they're struggling, but, you know, when, when you're sitting with them and chatting and tell jokes or someone else tells a joke and they laugh, you know, there's, we probably can learn from a lot of these people who don't have what we have, a bit of humility because they're often a lot happier than a lot of people I see that have everything, you know. Yeah, so, I agree. So, you know, if I've learned some things, I mean, I, I guess I, I hope I've learned to be more humble mm -hmm. you know, as I got older. Um, so this, you know, this sort of discussions are, are uh, absolutely essential. I, you know, I think we need, we need, talk more and debate more and I, and, I, and I find you know with a lot of my work and over the years you know one of the biggest problems and it's probably the same in this village it's, it's just people communicating yeah. some people just don't want to talk about things and then suddenly it rears an ugly head and you say well why don't, why don't you just talk about this you know? mm -hmm. and, and, we, and we just don't communicate I think that yeah I mean I think that's also a sort of much deeper reason that I'm doing this podcast is because I I feel like I, and, and a lot of the reason why I've kind of gotten off social media is because of this village. Like I was just so, I had like a sick feeling in my stomach seeing people insult each other online. And like, and I imagined these people doing this in the streets, you know, I'm like, guys, go into the street and do this. Don't be a coward and hide behind your computer and say these awful things exactly. that you exactly. would never and, say and, to and, their and, face. And people, yeah, that's right. And they, they're judging people without really knowing the individuals. Exactly. I mean, I know exactly what's happening with some people here. And some of the people that are getting vilified are personal friends of mine who have the absolute integrity. Mm. And they know exactly what are the important things that this village needs to address. Mm -hmm. and, and, and I think it's totally unacceptable that, um, that we have these kind of factions. You know, so it's, but I mean, you know, it's a reflection of the village. I yeah. Mean, it's, it's kind of polarized because of the nature of the people who live here and retirees and whatever, you know, and, mm -hmm. and we have all these diverse people within one sort of racial group, you know, mm -hmm. that, that have been high powered and this and that, and maybe not as humble as they could have been right. in their lives, you know, and, and, then, and then they get on their soapboxes, you know, mm -hmm. and, um, and that's why, that's why I stay out of the politics because. I have no doubt that I get myself in trouble very quickly. Yeah. You know, and um, but I thought that by by talking with people and having conversations and having them share more about their life than they would, you know, share when they're having a cup of coffee or whatever, and then people who I don't know maybe don't know you, but or they've heard things about you, but they'll you know sort of be able to listen to this interview and then go, oh well. Okay, I guess I kind of understand more about why he is the way that he is or why he has those opinions. And I just think it builds empathy. Thank you so much again for taking the time to talk with me. It's a total pleasure. Absolute pleasure. No, I enjoyed it. Well, that's it for my conversation with neighbor and wildlife vet Dr. Michael Cock. I find it telling and tragic that at the very moment he was talking about his wish to solve the gun problem in America. There was yet another school shooting in my home state of Texas. 
Don't forget to follow at Podcast Cowgirl on Facebook and Instagram for photos and updates associated with our two podcasts, My Way and Lecker Y'all. If you know any interesting humans we should have on the show, don't hesitate to email us at podcastcowgirl at gmail.com. See you next time.